Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. My name is Tom Jenkins. This is episode 159. I am joined this evening by James Jarvis and Chris Manning. Now, it's been some time since we last recorded an episode, and in that time, since the 4th of February, it's been an incredible turnaround in the fortunes of Bolton Wanderers. Our game away at Salford City was postponed that weekend, and the following Tuesday saw a draw at home against Morecambe, which we should have won. But following that was five consecutive victories in the league against Stevenage, Mansfield, Southend, Scunthorpe, and yesterday, as we record this, Barrow. As a result, Wanderers now find themselves in the playoff spots. Maybe HMS Pistol uh, League is rising from the depths of whichever ocean it began its journey. But in order to make sure that we cover the most relevant topics and in honour of those five straight wins, this podcast will follow our five things format where we discuss what we believe to be the five key talking points at the club right now. So without further ado, let's get into it with our first topic, which I've called midfield tinkering. And James, you're the diehard advocate of never changing winning team. And yet Ian Everett has been doing just that in each of our victories of late and always in our midfield. Uh, do you think this has been necessary, given the, the fixture pile-up and ignoring for a moment the fact that we've won those games? Do you think he's made the right calls? Uh, well, it's well, it's mainly been to the midfield, which is, I suppose is the hardest-working area, so I can understand where he's coming from, especially when it's uh, when it's usually just swapping the players like Kieran, Kieran Lee, who have a very notable injury record. and So I can kind of understand it from that perspective. I wouldn't personally have put Lee right back in for this fixture against Barrow but maybe, but maybe the one after that for this coming game against Oldham I think Thomason does a lot better when he when he plays at home myself but yeah uh, but outside of that he's not really changed too much I mean other than when he has to like when he um, let left Madison out of the team because of his illness that, against Barrow recently yeah yeah that, I think it's it's necessary like you say the, the fixture pile up it is going to hit hard, and for once, we're actually blessed with a fully fit squad, so he actually has the room to tinker this time, so as long as he doesn't go full Claudio Ranieri and just do it for shits <laughs> and giggles, then... Or gets out Dougie Freeman's lottery yeah. machine. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, as long as it's only maybe one or two players games for fitness reasons or when he has to, then I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, as uh, James said there, Chris, the majority of the of the tinkering, as I've said, has been in the midfield, but also mainly with that holding pair. I think MJ Williams has been a constant of those of those five victories, but it's been swapping Lee for Thomas and Lee for Thomas and each time. I know that we've we've spoken about possibly thinking that the Barrow game was the wrong time to play two such um, natural holding players like Lee and Williams. But do you think it depends on the opponent, or it should depend on the opponent as to who plays there, or should, should it more depend on who's in form? Yeah, I think there's an interesting blend to be had of the of the lot of the different combinations, and I, I would rather in home games us be on the front foot and perhaps have an extra attacker in there, not necessarily have two holding players away from home. I think you're naturally going to be a bit more circumspect, so it, it does make sense. In in terms of the personnel, I just think it's it's good to have options. We've obviously got a, a decent squad in terms of size and also in terms now of of, of ability as well. And perhaps early on in the season, when I think the majority of the, t- the tinkering seems to take place, I can almost understand it more in a respect of ever try to find out what his best combination was. I mean, number of centre-half partnerships we've been through as well um, is, is, is impressive. But it, it's good to have options and people that can that can slot in. And it, it appears that the people that we've got as backup are people that aren't necessarily in the team that week are, are able to come in and, and, and do so pretty seamlessly, which is really positive for us because... We've been quite lucky, I think, this season. Only one or two injuries, nothing, nothing overly major. And to have people who are ready, fit, and and know the system, know the style of play, etc., to come in and make an immediate difference might end up making immediate impact. Might end up being a difference in in a big game. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't obviously I'm the same boat as James, and I'd rather he didn't mess about with a winning squad. But there are occasions when I think it's justified, and and I think perhaps Saturday was because Lee. Given his CV, is going to be uh, hopefully going to be the player that we all hope he, he he can turn into, and so it's important that he gets matches under his belt. Because obviously, he's had a bit of time away from the field in little niggly injuries, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's been impressive in spells, but certainly still one of those people who's who's finding his yeah. feet after such a long time out out. out. Um, we can talk about whether or not we think Leo Thomason deserves the spot in, um, alongside MJ Williams, but he. Well, usually, Chris, I trust our opinion when it comes to footballers. And after the first two games, you and I were both in absolute agreement that we thought he was garbage. 
And <laughs> he's he's done a Santos esque Lazarus esque uh, return from the dead, hasn't he? He's been he's been rather superb yeah. the last few games. I, I completely agree. Yeah, I thought his first couple of games were absolutely bobbins, but then since then, he, he, you know, whether that's because the only way he was up from that position that is, is is another point of debate. But uh, there can be no arguing. His two performances have been have been fantastic. I think it, it's interesting that that someone comes in from Liverpool who's had a, a obviously a good pedigree in the game and a good standing and and knows the basics is able to make such a good impression on on the lads. And I think that someone coming in in his position. Might well think that he's probably League Two, might be his ceiling. You know, time time will tell. But uh, yeah, I certainly don't ever ever mind changing my, my opinion on football as it's happened a million times before. I'm sure it'll happen a million times again. Yeah, James, he's been probably exactly what we needed in that midfield and a team that likes to keep the hold of the ball and pass around and you know ever wants us to be free flowing in attack. I don't necessarily think we are at the moment, but. If to have someone whose only interest is to sit there in front of the back four and screen and do it reasonably well, it's very, very useful to have when you're trying to make big strides and win as many games as we need to to get into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been exactly what we needed. Um, like a couple of players early in the season, it just took a couple of games for him to get bedded, but now he's really showing his quality and. I know I may be speaking a bit of blasphemy here, but at the moment he's looking a better option there than Andy Tut is. Because for one, he's taller, which means he's, which means it would really helps him in the air. And he looks he looks stronger, and I think he can pick out a, a long range pass better than um, than Tutty can. So, but don't get me wrong, I like I like Andrew Tut, and he's certainly a good option to have, especially if what if MJ either gets too tired or he gets injured. But yeah. MJ's looking a, a much stronger long-term option at the moment, especially in his last couple of games. If he can keep up that kind of form, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a bargain, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like a decent bit of recruitment, certainly. And I, I agree with Chris. We're not sure whether or not that would be the kind of move that would work out the following season. League Two may well be his ceiling, but you know, League Two is where we are. And good standard League Two players are what we need. Um, Chris, I am a massive fan. Of Andy Tutt, I think he's been one of our most consistent players so far this season, and he seems to have lost his place. Well, he seemed to have lost his place unceremoniously before Williams came in, but he's really going to struggle to to get that place back in the team. Do you, do you think it's maybe a bit to our detriment that he's been switched off in such a way? I, I don't think the results can lead us to think that it's it's been a problem, and and you know we're, we're seeing a lot of people coming out and claiming that the team spirit's really positive. You know that everyone seems to be fighting and pushing in the same direction, which is really, really good to see. And I, I don't think Tut comes... He certainly comes across, I should say, as someone that's not going to rock the boat when he's not out. He's not going to throw his toys out of the pram or have a tantrum or anything like that. He's far too experienced. And I'm sure that over the course of the, however many games we've got left, his opportunity will come back in again because Williams appears to be a yellow card collecting machine. We've got hmm. numerous options in midfield. And like we said just a couple of minutes ago, the, the, the rotation that Everett is employing, makes me think that Tut, Tut will return to the side sooner rather than later because these fixtures are coming thick and fast. Yeah, I think um, it comes into the category of almost an embarrassment of riches, which when is the mm, last time sure. we've said that? When it comes to Bolton Wanderers, it's, it's, it's a much more healthier-looking squad. I think we said at the time that that January window was particularly impressive, but the way that we do have two, at least, good options for every position now, I think is, um, is very, very positive. Um, where we do have an awful lot of options as well, is in that bank of three behind Owen Doyle. And um, that's been chopped and changed as well, James, um, with you know Delfonso, Afalayan, Madison, uh, Isgrove, uh, Arthur Ganua and all of those people coming in and out. Do you think it possibly is hindering us as an attacking force, the fact that they have not been able to get like a settled rhythm playing with the same people week in, week out? Yeah, yeah, possibly. And I also don't, I also don't think it helps that um, certain players don't seem to fit there like I'm not a fan of Delfonso playing in that set in the center attacking mid position or even at left wing really for me he's he's the guy that partners the striker you play him in it you play him in it too he, he can do the he can do the hard work and stuff but really he work he works his best when he's either setting up a defender or he's just finding the space around the pockets he's not he's not a midfielder or a winger for me but other than that yeah I'm 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 pretty happy with most of our selection. Uh, Isgrove is unspectacular, but he's probably the best crosser that we have with the ball. Uh, 
Darpo, as we've seen, fantastic free roamer. If it, once he gets that first goal, he'll probably really kick on because he's steam. He seems to be fading a bit in confidence the last few games, but I still like him. Madison, same deal. Once he gets his goal, he'll probably start. He'll start kicking on. I'm I'm not sure about Sice in that centre attacking mid role. Maybe we do benefit from him more deeper, being being the water carrier, shall we say? Yeah. I think, I think there's a debate to be had, though, with Sars, and I'm, I'm sure you want to come on to this, uh, Chris, with the fact that maybe we're better off without him in the team. Yeah, um, yeah and we all know what King Arthur's, um, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench, we all know what he's capable of. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm liking our options. Shane has also helped with Eddie there, but, you know, can't have everything that we want. Uh, I'd completely forgotten about him, James. <laughs> I would, yeah, but other than that, the, the, team, the team's looking really good, and... Yeah, it's nice to have that strength in depth off the bench. It really has made a difference compared to the initial first few months of the season. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think I'll, I'll let you have free reign when we talk about Sarsovic as well. But the second question I'd like to give you as well, Chris, is whether you think the substitutes in this system and the way that we play are more valuable the start, than the starters, given that it seems to be the job of the starting team to, to tire out the opposition so the subs can come on and cause havoc. Yeah, but definitely. And I think that's part of the reason why Sarsovic, for me at the minute, would perhaps be better off as an impact sub. I thought when he came on the other night, he looked really, really, really good. But then on Saturday, I felt maybe he's obviously just has returned from injury and he's, he's suffered his isolation as well. So perhaps he's just a little bit off off the pace. I, I do like Sarsovic, but it's just sometimes I, I feel like he's a bit of a passenger in the game and I'd love him to have much more impact. I know there's a lot of people clamouring for him playing further forward and I don't think he really did that too much he's certainly not as much of the box to box stuff that I um, I'd hoped to see from him before he signed for us but then he, he, he played his part it's undeniable uh, in terms of out of Ganua again I think he's someone that's he's only started four games I looked into that this afternoon um, in, in a rare bit of research for the pod and I, I think the games that he started he, he'd done okay for me I think we'd won two drawn one and lost one Um but again, I think sometimes when he, he comes off the bench and makes such a good impact, it's almost less likely, I think, then he's going to follow it up by starting because he's shown that, uh, that that's what he's best at. And your point makes perfect sense about allowing the, the, the first 11, shall we call them, to come on, wear the opposition out. I mean, the, the fact that we played a lot of cross-field balls as well at the weekend was, was telling. Dragging their central midfielder out, midfield out of the way, making the full-backs work, tiring them out then, in theory, allows a pacey sub, be that um, Gnura or Affaline or Madison, for example, chance to come in and play against a tired team, which I think in, in our current position is probably the right way to go about it. So I, I don't have a problem with Gnura not starting, not at the minute. I think his, his output when he does come off the bench is, is consistent. And even even he, as well, is he, he's still a player making his way in the in, at this level and, and playing for a club like Bolton. And so I should think that would spur him on to do to do something to do the best he could possibly do when he comes on. It's just a, a great to have for options, like James said. It's uh, it's been a while since we had this sort of uh, these many many choices that we can do many permutations, it, and I think that's perhaps even why we were showing such an interest in late uh, late period late periods of the match. We're showing more spirit and more ability to come forward. I think the lads know what they're doing. They know um, it works because obviously results bear it out. And, and everything just points to really exciting last last couple of months for me now. I think the squad, the manager, the team, everyone's in a really good place. Uh, and I, I don't see this this run ending anytime soon. I really think even if it is a scrappy 1-0, even if it is a 2-1 a or a 3-2 or anything like that, I'm going into games at the minute not expecting us to lose. And, and that hasn't happened for a long time either. No, I, I tell you what, just sort of t- moving away from, from this particular conversation, I, th- I think it's a very, very worthwhile point that you make there because I was watching the, the Barrow game and throughout the entire time, I think I said to somebody at 70 minutes, a team that gets promoted wins a game like this. And I truly think we're going to win exactly. it. And I, 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 up until that, when that ball came into the box, I mean, I, I celebrated like a lunatic and scared the living mm-hmm. crap out of the people who were watching the rugby around me. Um, but honestly, I, I just expected it to happen. And it's really strange to be watching a Bolton team and to expect us to go into games and win it by hook or by crook, but to get that result. And long may it continue, by the way. It, it's it's fantastic. But I, I think a lot of that, the late shows that we've seen this season, and my God, there's been loads of them, um, is, is down to the fact that we've got options, but also down to the fact that I, I genuinely think it's the, it's the starting team's job 
to wear down um, the opposition up until when the subs come on. And in, in that instance, do you think, James, it then makes sense for us to be having possibly our better players coming off the bench late on in games to, to win it for us? Certainly, certainly an argument for that. Um, I think one other point we have to bring up about that is that all the players at the moment, they just look so much fitter than the opposition. It, it shows where by how much we have the ball like we saw against Barrow, a lot of them were sitting back deeper, just so that they didn't have to run as much. But meanwhile, we were still, we were still spread out all over the park, making runs into the box when we could. We, it, it's, it's just, a, I, I can't really, I can't really explain it because I've just not seen it from a Bolton team in a long time. We, we, we look almost complete. I can't really yeah, it looks strong, <laughs> don't we? Yeah, I, I yeah. Really... I'll I, I tell you what it is, is. I think it's a solid base followed up by basically whatever goes in front of that back four. That it, it, there's a, there's chopping and changing, but obviously there's there's interplay and there's um, the fact that no, the opposition doesn't really know who's going to be starting, who's going to be playing, positioning where. That bank of three and behind Doyle goes from one side to the other all the time. Uh, and I think you're right. I think fitness comes into it hugely. You know, people talk about desire when you're winning games in the last minute, but it's because you're the pe- people who are fit enough to be able to get yourself into those positions that the opposition, you know, tired of mind, tired of body, they don't see you. Yeah. I think the reason why we got that goal was because Miller and Ganua had capitalised on the fact that Barrow went to sleep because they thought they'd got their result. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. Um, well, while we're t- while we're talking about that, I do have to say the only thing that I I have issue with this squad at the moment is. The lack of end product, and by that I mean the final ball, just sometimes just too poor. Let's not even get into our set pieces. I, I'm dreadful. <laughs> yep, utterly dreadful. We might as well give them the ball back. I think we've I think we've only scored from one corner all season. I'm, I'm I think I'm right about that. Maybe, and I think only about two or three free kicks we've scored from, which is disgraceful considering the big lads that we have in our squad and and disgraceful considering we've conceded conceded 17 goals from set pieces uh yep exactly and there are there are occasions where we do where we have floundered some great chances like delfonso's against uh i think it was was it south end or, or scunthorpe where he basically no no it was uh swindon was it no, the Cheltenham game, the Cheltenham game, where he, where he just palmed it straight, so he kicked it straight into Vigory's hands, basically, from like yeah, four yards out. Yeah, that's the one, that's the one, yeah. And Doyle, recently in Sparrow game, I, th- I Reese disagreed with me, but I think he missed two really big chances where he just lost his focus and just let it pretty much bounce off him instead of just trying to hit it. But yeah, so there are those issues there in the squad, which are preventing us from completely blowing teams away and having comfortable wins. But Chris is exactly right, it doesn't really matter. We've shown it in. Um, we've shown the capability to be able to just keep going with a combination of fitness and just overall quality, holding on to the ball. So it doesn't matter if this, if the rest of the season is scrappy wins. I, we can watch a Bolton team now, knowing the fact that one, they're not going to give up, and two, that that we don't really feel in any threat that we're going to throw away three results. clean sheets in the last three games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to pipe up about that, mate. I think you're right. The goalkeeper's got a huge part. Has had a huge part to play in that combination. Yeah, apart, apart from, apart from his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, think, I think Jilks obviously made that that big error against Mansfield, but I think maybe that was a kick up the arse to recognise that he does have a goalkeeper in Jensen breathing down his neck to get that role, and so he needs to perform properly. And um, ever since then, he's been he's been very very solid, as has the people in front of him. Yeah, we saw what one mistake did to Krellin. You know, he never, he's never recovered from it. But no. thankfully, in jokes, he, he made a horrendous mistake. And yet, since then, he's barely put a foot wrong. So, you know, again, points back to, to something I said a few few podcasts ago, that just imagine if, if we hadn't have gone those our first dozen or so games with Krellin between the sticks. You know, who knows where we'd be? Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. Um, I, I've just remembered as well. It was it was late in Orient. It wasn't Cheltenham. Just before Lee or Reese give me give me stick for getting that wrong. So I know that they'd been piping up had they been on the podcast tonight about me getting that. Yeah, fact ima- yeah. Imagine if we took away all the chances in that game, we could have been the ones walking away four 0 instead of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's very very irritating, isn't it? That we're, that we're not killing teams off sooner. Um, but you know, it's it's almost like Bolton under Phil Parkinson, isn't it? The Late Show, where everyone loses their minds because we we can't believe that we've got got ourselves in a bad position, and then suddenly we rescue ourselves. 
Uh, but you know, it, it, it's not it's not good for for the old ticker, is it? No, I'll be I'll be, I'll be dead age fifty by the, by supporting this club. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still say I still say that once once we've done it once, once we've blown away a team once, we've got like we've got an easy four nil five nil result or something like that. We'll we'll do it for the rest of the season. We'll we'll just basically become the Man City of the division. We've only got fifteen games left, so it's going to have to happen soon. <laughs> um, I was I was hoping to do some kind of a seamless segue into our into our next topic because we were talking about subs, we were talking about Doyle. And, um, you know, I'm going to have to just try and bring that back and uh, try and make it as seamless as possible. It's almost like a Will Jones podcast, this. Um, <laughs> but anyway, our, um, our second topic is the what I've called in almost a Big Bang Theory type title, the Miller-Doyle conundrum. Um, Chris, you've been a bit of a, a bit critical of Doyle this season, despite him being our top scorer. And I think it's probably a warranted criticism because he could well have had a lot more goals to his name. Um, even though he scored in midweek, it was a penalty. Is his form a bit of a worry? Do you, do you think? I think, I think there was a point raised on Mark Isles' podcast where they said he might be tired. Do you, do you think yeah. there's some merit in that? Yeah, and you know, again, just for a little bit of further explanation, I think the the issues with Doyle is simply the fact he scored. He's our top scorer by a million miles, uh, and given the chances and the uh, the service and the record that the guys had, I just expected more. That's all. I think. Uh, there's no arguing with the goals he's scored. There's no arguing with some of the points he's won us. I think uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think he might be, just be being tired because he's played pretty much every single game since coming. He's 32. He's no spring chicken. He's had a, quite a long career. And and we don't seem to rotate or even have any interest in rotating the forwards in the way that uh, we do the midfield and the, the defence so far this season. So I just wondered out loud, I guess, that given where we are in the in the league and how our form was and who we were coming up against, and maybe just to shake it up a bit and give Doyle a break out, I, I might have been tempted to start Miller on Saturday. Uh, and I, I think the same for the, the Oldham game as well, given the, the, his goal record so far, his confidence will be up. Doyle, yeah, you know, he's, he's playing a difficult game playing as a lone striker in this division because you're not coming up against, you know, classy, silky defenders. You're coming up against Alehouse Cloggers. And so he's going to be taking a battering every week. And, he, and he's coming coming deep for the ball, looking to get involved sometimes when our build-up plays may be a bit ponderous. So, yeah, I'll put it down to tiredness. I completely do. Uh, I, I should think that if we could find the right time to give him that chance to freshen up, he could come back firing on all cylinders for the running to the end of the season, which, again, could be the difference between staying up and uh, going up and staying down in this division. Yeah, well, t- t- two things I would glean from that and ask you about then, James, is A, do you think Miller should be started? And B, do you think it goes back to what we were saying before, maybe keep our best players in reserve to then come up against tired legs later on and keep Doyle as a sub for that particular uh, tactic? Uh, I'm not sure about Miller starting yet because um, I'm I'm not sure how fit he is still coming back from injury because it was a bit of a lengthy layoff. Um, also, also, I've never... Have we seen Miller start this season, even in the cup matches? I don't. I honestly don't remember. I don't think we have. I don't even think uh, in the crew no. game. I don't think you started in that one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. I would say I'm not convinced of him to be able to do ninety minutes if he has to, but I suppose he doesn't have to. But yeah, I can understand maybe wanting to drop Dial, but would Dial himself be happy with uh, being dropped? I'm sure. I'm sure he's fine with being subbed with if he's knackered, but. Being dropped completely. Yeah, he's a high-profile player, isn't he, as well? I suppose the only thing that you could do to maybe mitigate that would be to perhaps to, to play Delfonso instead. I was going to say, he's, he's yeah, I was going to make yeah, the exact Yeah, he's played, same played as a striker. Yeah, he's played as a striker before at a high level. Yeah. Just to give Doyle that, that break. No one, not suggesting that we don't play Doyle at all, because, I mean, you could easily rotate Doyle, Delfonso, plus any of the forward three. Uh, to just to give him a little bit of a break, and I know that he has done that on occasion, hasn't he? And and that came up to good effect midweek too. But yeah. It's just something to think about. Yeah, I could. You could also argue for tweaking um, at the start, just saying to Delphon, so if he's going to play that middle role, you know, you're allowed to to, to play higher and essentially, like I said yeah. before, become a partner striker alongside Dal rather than playing in behind him as the centre attacking midfielder. I, I, yeah, that, and that would have been. Uh, yeah, I was about to say that would probably take a lot of the workload off him as well, considering Delphonso is more of a 
for lack of a better word, a cart horse forward than a goal scorer. He's a, he's a second striker, isn't he? That, that, that is, he's your classic, you know, obviously we're talking much higher level, but like Christoph Duggery kind of type, play alongside an out-and-out striker and be the link player. That's that's who Delfonso wants to be. I, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I would have liked to have seen that happen on Saturday. Uh, harking back to that, would have been to have one, one fewer in the centre of midfield, take, take out Lee or Williams, whichever, probably Lee, and, and gone. With, a, with a, another attacker on, just to have them side by side with all, because I don't think we've seen that, have we really? Other than in the odd game where we've been chasing a comeback or something similar, we've not really gone all out like that. No, it's, it's interesting that we've managed to be able to rescue those results without really going as, as gung ho mm. as, as, as usually you need to to be able to get them. So yeah, I, I think I think it's just I think fitness comes into it a huge a huge amount. I think James is spot on when when he says that. I think we do just look a lot fitter than most teams at this level, and it, 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 there's there's quality in the team anyway. Yeah. But I think it all does come down to, at this level, you can run teams off the park at the moment. I think we are doing that, which is fantastic. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of Bolton advantage of yesteryear that we haven't seen for almost a decade. So long may that continue as well. Miller is an interesting one, though, isn't, isn't he, James? In, in that we've basically written his career at Bolton off after he got that injury in November. Was it just in the aftermath of the Salford game, possibly? Yeah. Well, when we first heard and, of his injury, he, they said he was probably looking to be out until April. So he's made a very good yeah. comeback in that regard. Especially at his age as well. Yeah, 33. And, and yeah. I think he... It's not Kieran Lees, but I think he had a decent injury record himself as well. Yeah, it sort of begs the question, you know, two goals in, in a week does not a... It's not a career make, but do you think there's an argument, regardless of what level we end up at next season, for giving him a new contract? Me personally, I wouldn't, but I also wouldn't be against it. I'd maybe look, try to look for a slightly more long-term solution. Because think about it, our, our three strike, our three main strikers: Delfonso. Delfonso's closing in on thirty. Doyle's thirty-two. Miller's going to be turning thirty-four next uh, later this year. Uh, we 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 need to, you know, get a, get a fresh, maybe younger presence in there for next season. But if but if Miller wants to stick around, considering we want have an em, uh, an embargo or or a proper squad cap size, then yeah, I'd I'd be fine with Miller with Miller sticking around, especially if he can keep making these impactful sub goals, be be the be the kind of Solskjaer type striker that. Make, that makes the impact off the bench using it using his experience. Yeah, I think every successful team has a has a plan B that's that's relatively successful, and I think we've we may well have found ours if he can if he can stay fit. So same question to you, Chris. I think Doyle was been given a, he was given a three year deal, wasn't he? So that might negate mm. the need to have another uh, aging striker on the books. But do you, do you think Miller has the potential to to earn another deal? Definitely, if he carries on the way he's going, then why not? But I think what one of the things that probably stood him in good stead. Going into this this contract that he's got now is 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 cheap because mm-hmm. we did have that we'd have those restrictions and we have to work within certain certain limits and things like that. But now going forward, theoretically, those limits are gone in more ways than one. And so, whilst I'd, I'd love him to stay and love him to to be good enough to do that, I'd probably echo what James said at the start. Maybe look for someone a bit younger or perhaps someone with a bit more a bit of a better pedigree. Whether that then naturally means that Doyle becomes that backup striker then who knows but uh, let's hope we're in the position to have to make that make that call because it'll mean we've done well Absolutely no, I think he deserves an awful lot of credit for what he's done in the last few weeks and obviously we're looking a lot further into the future than, than possibly necessary but um, no I think you're right it, we could well be fishing in a completely different pond next um, next year so it could well negate the need to have someone like that on the books who as you say would come on the cheap Um Right, third topic. We talked about Miller's goals. Both of them have come late on in games where we've uh, struggled to break down really, really uh, defensively organised opposition. Uh, the game in between those two, sorry the, sorry, the game before that first one that Miller scored against Southend was a 3-2 win against Mansfield that absolutely nobody saw coming and was down to, what, what was the word that uh, Nigel Clough used there, James? Sorry, it's just escaping my mind. What, what happened for that first goal in that Mansfield game? Oof, I don't know. I don't know. It's a word that st- starts with an F, um, <laughs> has a K in it. Um, oh, that's right. You? Fuck off, Nigel Clough. Yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, that, that that's that's the right one. Um, I'm glad yeah, you no, took that. that <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, uh, the, the fluke uh, that Nigel Clough was so concerned about. Uh, we're getting the rub of the green at the moment, aren't we, boys? 
and we've been out of luck for possibly the last decade or so. How good is it, Chris, for us to suddenly be getting a little, a few fortunate breaks at the moment that have that really helped us get on this good run? Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I think you know a team makes its own luck, and I think the the effort that the lads put in, and they uh, the never say die attitude that they seem to be displaying as well, it just puts you in those positions where look good things happen, uh, where previously maybe we've been a bit downtrodden, you know, we've been all Bolton financial crisis, dropping down the leagues. That seems like a, a, a bit of a breath of fresh air has come across the club, at least in the, in the last two or three months. Uh, maybe with the, the signings they've made in January, just to really give us a forward-thinking outlook to allow us to then get into the positions where we can be in the conversation for promotion, which all comes back roundabout to the point that, that we, we make our own luck by having that sort of mindset and that kind of mentality. And it is, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant feeling that, that you're going to go into these games and knowing that, yeah, well, OK, you might have gone one or two down or, you know, you might not score against a team we should be expecting to beat. doesn't matter if it's 90th minute, ninth minute, whatever. Pure confidence in everything that's going forward at the minute. And I, and I reckon that that translates into being in these situations where good things happen to us because we're, we're of a positive forward-thinking mindset, which is really, really refreshing after the last 10 years, like you say. Yeah, no, I do agree with you completely. I think I think there's, the mindset counts for an awful lot here. But I also think that, and James, feel free to disagree with me on this, making our own luck is one thing going forward. But I think the, the solid foundation that we've had in the last few games of, of Santos and Baptiste and also John Jones, who I think have been outstanding the last few games, that also helps make your own luck as well because it's all well and good nicking those goals, but they count for three points if you kept a clean sheet. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, th- I think everyone's... Everyone and their mum has spoke highly enough of the Santos-Baptiste partnership that's bearing fruition. Santos kneeling down regular spots on Team of the Week listings for League Two and whatnot, at being called the best defender outside of the Championship. And, yeah, Baptiste having a career resurgence at Bolton after... after An Indian summer, yeah. as they say. Yeah, and let's not even mention your your Welsh brethren out, out at fullback, Tom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Decl- cracking weekend, mate, for the, for the Welsh cracking weekend. No, I, 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 I know that you weren't a particular fan of Jones, though, and Jones I thought was outstanding yesterday against Barrow. Uh, wait, are you talking to me or? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought I thought you, you've said in the past that you've been a, a bigger fan of, of Brockbank than Jones, and I think I would agree with it on that. But I think Brockbank's got a real tough task to get back into this team with the way that Jones is playing. Oh, oh extremely. It's, it's because in previous games I hadn't really seen Jones making the really threatening advancing runs where I had seen Rocky do that. They both have a problem with end product at some points, but for for a positive forward thinking team, I was always leaning more towards Brockbank, but Jones has really demonstrated that kind of attacking intent in, in recent games. Especially, spe- he's really linked up well with the likes of Isgrove and Madison doing the work, and especially because both of them two are willing to cover for him as well. If he makes mistake, he's he's kind he's kind of learnt how to drive forward. Yeah, yeah, I'm re- I'm I really think Jones has progressed in in the in the last few games, and like you say, it just makes for stronger competition. No, because Brockbank is Definitely. more than capable of replacing him. It's it's very very capable. Meanwhile, you've got John on the other side who's really fixed that problem at left back. We've had three left backs in that position and two right backs that have been you know <laughs> wedged in there to, to try and cover for those for those left backs so he's, he's really a real problem solver on them it looks so much different having capable full backs attacking forward and getting that positive play forward like ever once it's like you, like you said that back four it looks settled and barring injury at the moment you wouldn't replace any of them would you no, uh, we're getting a little bit off topic here, but I just want to stick with it for for another question. Just to you, Chris, De- Declan John. There was talk in the week um, that Everett saying that he wanted to to explore the option of signing him for next summer. Sorry, for next season. I presume that would only be able to come to fruition if we got promoted. But he has been an absolute revelation since coming in, and as James said, solved a real big issue for us. Yeah, no arguments there. Uh, I don't think anything anything else really, really needs to progress beyond that because <clears throat> the problem that we had with with Jackson, I I thought Jackson was he didn't impress me in his, his couple of games that he played, and I know we've said before, half joking that left backs the the position that you just put your mate in there who you feel sorry for who has a game for you, 
His dad's the one that takes you to the game. He gives you a lift, all that sort of carry on. But to see to see a proper specialist at that position, an experienced guy, knows what he's doing. It has made a massive difference. I would like to just maybe turn the tables on Tom and ask you a quick question. Do you think that we would have been as defensively solid had Kioso stayed? Because I, I I'm of the opinion as great as Kioso was, he, he was he was too attacking, and and I think that that balance is what John has. But I was interested to know what you think. I, I don't think we would have changed from the five-three-two um, formation that we had if Kioso had still been at the club. I think mm. we, we would have played that position, sorry, that formation to get the best out of him because realistically, you build. You, you, it's all one and good saying you pick people to fit a system, but you build at this level your team, your uh, your formation, and your system around your best players. And he was our best player in the first half of the season. You know, Santos aside because of the he had patchy moments, but Kioso consistently week in week out was an absolute terror to teams down that right-hand side. So I think we'd have been playing a different formation and I don't necessarily think we would have been as solid because the, the stark difference in number of goals conceded and just gen- how we look since we've been at a fallback, I think it's, it's been an absolutely... Well, I'll tell you what, he deserves an awful lot of credit, Ian, ever for actually saying, you know what, this doesn't work. Let's pick a formation that does work because it takes a lot for someone who clearly has quite a, an inflated opinion of his own um, knowledge of football. Uh, to, to make that um, decision to change from a style that he clearly thought was going to be successful at this level. So he deserves credit for that. But no, to answer your question in a very roundabout way, um, I think Kyoso would have cost us playing as an out-and-out right-back. Mm, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to go forward as much, um, which is what he was good at. And I think would have been caught out defensively, for example. He would never in a million years have made that challenge that Gethin Jones did yesterday. Uh, when Barrow won the break, that that showed some real, really good defensive awareness from from uh, from Gethin, and I don't think Kioso would have been able to do that. It's one of those, oh, isn't it? it? You know, it's one of those, isn't it? You don't you, you you don't know because you've not seen how he would have performed in that system. But just going off what I saw of Kioso, I, I don't think he would have uh, he would have thrived as much as Jones has or Brockbank has. And it's nice to be developing our own players rather than another team's players as well. So. Good luck to him. I thought he was superb, but I think I think we've done quite well for ourselves having who we've got there. Uh, th- does it worry you, Chris? Though that obviously the, the games that we've played have been based on good foundation and solid foundation. That it is taking some slightly fortunate moments for us to win games at the moment. Or did you just think, as you say, we make our own luck and therefore we shouldn't be too concerned? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the win, however it comes. Don't really mind too much if it turns out that we uh, we have a rub the rub of the green. Then that's just ticking the box for the good guys isn't it it's about time yeah absolutely long may it continue although I would like to see it as James said us put four past somebody just to have a really convincing convincing afternoon so I don't have to have a heart attack at uh, some given point um, with us getting those breaks James we've irritated quite a few people of late have we not uh, It's uh, it's been an interesting time uh, on Twitter for Bolton fans in terms of interactions and the footballing world looking at us, looking down upon us. We'll start with the biggest defender of this week, which is one Marcus Madison and his headband. What was your making of all that situation, how it just absolutely blew up in the footballing world? Oh, it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take, it clearly doesn't take much to roll people these days, does it? Nope. Uh, well, well, Madison's not your typical old fashioned footballer, is he? He like he likes <laughs> the glam. He like. You know, he like he likes being in the social media spotlight. He, he likes dressing up in odd in odd gear for a footballer. I mean, I I'd, I don't make much of it itself. You can dress up however you want. You could dress up like a ballerina for all I care, as long as you were bagging every match. But, That's very twenty twenty one of you, James. Yeah, exactly. I, I, me, me personally, I couldn't have cared less. I was getting more joy of seeing how rattled people were about it, and. It got he got a lot of attention for for our club. You can decide whether where even bad attention counts, but hmm. it I I wasn't that I wasn't that bothered about it myself. But I I know that Chris has a different opinion on the matter. <laughs> Go on, Chris. You know what? Only in a, in a tongue-in-cheek way, like James says. No, this is who he is. We're not you know not going to expect people to be. Saints in this day and age, and God knows we've had enough characters uh, in the past. I would just like the on-pitch flamboyance and and joy that he seems to have translated into uh, off the pitch joy, translated onto the pitch because I think that's where 
in his in his appearances so far, it's been uh, it's been pretty disappointing. But as we've seen with other players that we've we've uh, you know told are, are useless, all it takes is one good performance, and then that will be Madison back on back on everyone's good list. I do think it was a little bit hysterical some of the screaming from some of the Bolton fans who I read online leaping white knight style to defend Madison when the guy's obviously just a bit eccentric isn't he I mean yeah I might think he looks stupid but then again he might think I look stupid sat here tonight in my Star Wars pyjama bottoms watching Spanish football you know it's, it's just different different things for different people so I've got no no issue with the guy let's just hope that he can start to be just as talked about for scoring goals as, as we march towards promotion as opposed to playing Call of Duty and talking about My Little Pony or whatever it was last week. <laughs> I think with that haircut, he looks more like a My Little Pony than anything else, doesn't he, really? <laughs> um, but he, he wasn't the only one causing a bit of a stir on Twitter this week in winding people up. We, we've done a bit of winding up of, of our own as, as a fan base. Mansfield and Scunthorpe fans have not exactly been particularly pleased with, with our antics, certainly the Mansfield lot. Um, and also the Bolton FM commentators, James, they, they've been getting their big wooden spoons out and everything. I think we, we, someone came up with the terminology piss boiling whites and everyone has jumped on the bandwagon as far as wide as the eye can see. God, even Ian Everts done it in his press conferences, uh, having a snapback. Oh, he was fascinating, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, he was fascinating, wasn't he? He went after Nigel Clough um, in the aftermath and, you know, coining the fluke term again, you, you almost got it trending on Twitter. I mean, my word... Do do you think this is a role that we should be embracing, or is it the kind of thing we should just be ignoring and getting on with playing football? I don't know about everyone else, but I'm embracing it. It's the, <laughs> it's the strangest thing to be united by. Chris, are you shocked? <laughs> hey, look, we're, we're talking to the, the the meme king of Lancashire here, so I'm I'm going to say now to James in his uh, in his choice of response, no problem. Well, in case he gets you cancelled. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's lots of skeletons in lots of closets, so I'll keep my gob shut. I would never get you cancelled, Chris. <laughs> but, Wouldn't be fun for you, would it, Jim? Nah, no, of course not. Um, Too easy. Yeah, exactly. I'm more likely to get cancelled before Chris. But anyway. Good point. Uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a strange, like I say, it's a strange thing to to unite the fan base and, you know, all the, all the players and the staff, but that, that just in a weird way, kind of proves that everyone's almost on the same page, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I, no, absolutely. I, everyone is of a similar everyone is of a similar mind in this club, and that really can only be beneficial. Like, who cares if other teams, fans, or or players hate us? They should they should want to hate us because because we're their competition. You know. No, absolutely, I agree. Chris, do you think it's almost like an us against them attitude that could be quite useful for us in the long run? Definitely. Definitely, I'd try anything in this this part of the season, given what we're trying to achieve. And I think that even if we can continue in this way, you know, we'll be unintentional, spoiling uh, spoiling act in the division. I think it just comes that people are, are starting to notice the club again for the right reasons, which makes again a, a nice refreshing change. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we've rattled through these topics. I think this last one might give us a bit more cause for for discussion. And I've entitled it "Realistic Expectations," being being the classic. Devil's Advocate uh, question master that I tend to be on these podcasts. Um, I'm looking at the table now. It's in front of me. Baltimore just currently sit in the playoff positions for the first time this season in uh, in seventh, which I think would be a good psychological boost for everyone at the club, given that it looks as though the uh, the promised land, as it, as it were, is in sight. Uh, we sit 31 games played, 47 points. Above us, Newport, 30-48. Morecambe, 31-49. Tranmere, 30-51. Cheltenham, 30-53. Forest Green, 30-54. Cambridge 32-55. Now, quite a few of those teams have games in hand on us. The only one who doesn't is Cambridge. James, are we getting ahead of ourselves thinking that it's going to be an absolute easy charge up into these playoffs? There's seven points between us and the top of the table, but these teams that we do have to play and they do have a game in hand on us, do we just need to sort of temper expectation for the moment, do you think? Uh not 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 temper to any serious degree, although I'm I'm a bit surprised that you haven't mentioned the team below us because Bradford have two games in hand on us. Carlisle have four. And oh, I'm only looking up, mate. I'm being positive and looking up. Yeah, fair enough. But you can't ignore <laughs> those teams either. It's 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 a really it's starting though though some competition is starting to fade away. It's still quite tight twa- tight at the top, um, battling for those playoff positions. And because of our because of our better facilities than a lot of these other clubs, we've we've managed to get more of our games on 
which has been good for mentality. It's been good getting our confidence and the winds flowing, etc., etc. But yeah, yeah. This, if the if the teams around us though get that same kind of form, then it, it's going to make things more difficult. So while, but at the same time, playoffs hasn't been a real realistic expectation until this month. So. I'm perfectly fine with letting people get get a bit carried away with it, considering that it's actually Definitely. achievable again. Well, we'll have to see how. But look look over our shoulder a little bit about how the other results going to pan out, because it may make things a bit harder. And God forbid if Ian Everett wins that Manager of the Month award again for February. Oh Christ! Well, he's well just, going to, isn't he? Yeah, we might as well just throw in the towel right there and then. Oh Christ! I forgot about that. Um, you, you, it, James makes a good point there, Chris. That the teams below us are Exeter, Salford, Carlisle, and Bradford, and they've all got games in hand on us. Um, Carlisle, we've got four in hand on us, but we do also have them to play, which makes a little bit of a difference, I think. And also, we're in the best form out of all of those teams. Um, what do you think? Do you think we should be looking up rather than looking over our shoulder at this point? Certainly, we are the team in form. Definitely, yeah. I think the last few weeks have shown that there's not really anything to fear. Uh, well, except maybe an injury to Doyle and Santos, but there's nothing really to fear in, in terms of the division. We've got the beating of, of most teams, and, and I think it does point to a strong end of the season. Games in hand don't worry me too much either because they're still going to go and win them, and if they don't, then there's no problem. Yeah, we people do tend that. to look at game in hand and, and, and equate them to point turned, don't they? Yeah, that, they'll, I they'll be too. adding 12 to Carlisle's total based on the fact they've got four in hand. Yeah, but have Carlisle won four on the trot this season? Well, Unlikely. I mean, their, their current form reads four losses out of the last five. So. Yeah, so I think it's, it's definitely wise to maybe take a step back and, and not get too carried away. But then ultimately we can only do what we can do, which is beat the team we're in front of us on the day. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll ask you both this question then. James, we'll come to you first. What do you expect then from from this run into the season we've got ourselves into the playoff picture firmly into it now is that enough for you would you want us to be going for automatic promotion do you think that's a realistic goal at the moment i'll say no it's not realistic but then again with how like i said how how tight and seemingly inconsistent a lot of these teams just sometimes seem to get at certain points of the season because there's only really us uh, Tranmere and Bradford that are in any kind of consistent form at the moment. Maybe Forest Green mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it, that, it, that I can see Forest Green running away with this, you know. I can really see them running away with the league. Yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 it's only really us and those three other teams that have any kind of consistency at the moment and we're really in the best position to put up this league. The, the only thing really holding us back is what, like, like you say, the game's in hand, but Chris makes a good point. Um, there's no point worrying about them until they've actually got the results in them. Then we can see where we're mm-hmm. going. Um, we, can, we can only really do our own thing, but I still say the, the expectation, the, the thing that I expect from this season is to still finish in the playoffs. Positive goal difference, strong end to the season, so I can go into the playoffs without worry, but... I will not. I won't rule out automatic promotion, especially considering there's three places available, and uh, you know, it's the gap between us and third is is only two wins apart from each mm-hmm. other, six points. Yeah, uh, it's so it's not out of the picture, but I'd be perfectly fine with playoffs at the end of it. You're not booking a hotel in Watford just yet, then? <laughs> oh, no, oh no, 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 no. Well, we're expecting better, aren't we, Jim? That's why. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I don't want to be involved in the playoff picture. Yep. They, yeah, they won't give me a refund, will they? <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Chris, same question to you, but with a little twist on it. Do you think from this position, Everett, would, well, Everett should be under pressure if we didn't get into at least the playoffs? Uh, yeah. In, in short, yeah. I mean, it's been a great turnaround over the last few weeks, which has obviously shown that a lot of his talk about the plan, the project, all that kind of thing is definitely on, on the money. But ultimately, and again, it, it does sound the, the wankiest thing in the world, but a club like Bolton probably shouldn't be playing in fourth division. And so to us to play here for a, a, a day longer than we absolutely have to constitutes failure to me. I, I don't think it'll cost him his job. I think there's, there's too much invested in him and his, his team and his approach and the squad that they've, they've started to, to build for him, giving these 
signings like Williams uh, and John, longer term contracts, Doyle, Sarsovic, etc. Pressure will always be there for Bolton because A, of where we are and what we used to be, and B, the way the supporters think. I think all they can do is continue exactly how to take it a game at a time, shut out all the noise of, of, of Nigel Clough chatting back. I would like Everett just to keep his gob shut a little bit from time to time when it comes to bickering and, and chatting back to managers and things like that and just concentrate on what he's doing because what he's doing is working. And I, I think it all will lead to a, a successful end of the season, be that playoffs or automatic. I'm, I think we're in the driving seat. Yeah, obviously there's a long way left to go in the season. A third of it left. Um, but I was thought we were talking, must have been two podcasts ago now, about wanting to get rid of Everton. I think it was the aftermath of that Tranmere game where everyone was severely deflated. And since then, we've not really looked back. Um, has has your opinion of him changed? It's difficult, isn't it? Because it is... Your point before me, but I, I have not him yet, and I, I completely agree. He's, he's obviously got a very high opinion of himself. He's come a long way in a short space of time, and so I think it's going to be a really difficult one to have any kind of certainty as to how his career is going to pan out. All I can say, I guess, is that I think that his success is tied to our success, and for him to come through with what he obviously thinks that he can achieve at Bolton will catapult him up in the eyes of clubs higher up the league. But in turn, that means that we'll have done well and we'll hopefully have been out of this godforsaken division at the first opportunity, which at the end of the day is exactly what, to me, he was brought in to do. So, yeah, a strange fella, but then ultimately I don't care for winning football matches. He, he can be as strange as he likes. Yeah, I think, James, you cautioned, um, sorry, you cancelled patience at the, at the time to, to, to stick with him. I think it, we were always going to stick with him. It was just, you know, if the decision had fallen into Mike Lapp, I'd have got rid of him after that 3-0 Tranmere defeat, to be honest. Such such was the the depth of despair that it is losing to to those idiots. Um, but do you feel as though we are on a kind of run now whereby we, it's going to be very difficult for us to stop, and therefore his his first season has to be viewed as a success? Was it was it just the case of giving him time to get us going in the right direction? Yeah, yeah, it was exactly that. I mean, I, I'm not as patient. I'm still not as patient as some other fans, but I did recognise that. Um, he what he wasn't going to get every single player right on on the first attempt, like like, like we said. He, if he they were to, even his signings, yeah, like like twenty twenty, he had to embed around let's say twenty new players in into a squad, get them playing the way he wants to play, get them up to a good fitness level, and then figure out and then figure out where to go from there. He was never going to get that correct on the first attempt, and he. Though I still think he underperformed during that period from um, from there to the January window. He didn't underperform to the degree where, where we felt an, any under serious threat of relegation, or at least I never felt that. Uh, yeah, and the, the strength of his shinings in January, Declan John, Marcus Madison, Kieran Lee, etc., etc., it's really shown how, how, how committed and... He, he he is to to achieve the aim of getting us out of this absolutely shite division uh, <laughs> at the first time of asking. D- doesn't matter where it's playoffs at this point. Either way, it, it's looked a lot more achievable. And I didn't believe me personally. I didn't believe some some of the fans were saying when he was in the press talking about how his comments sounded like Hill. He never sounded as bizarre as Hill to me. <laughs> to to the point where it would probably alienate players like like Hill's conferences were. So, yeah, I just thought some of the stuff had been about him had been exaggerated too much to the point because we've we've been too used to managers who just I don't I don't really know how to explain it. We're just too used to shite managers. I'll just put it that way. Mm. Um, I, th- no, I think no, you're no. right. It's people who over who over promise and under deliver, and that's been our problem for the last half a dozen managers, hasn't it? From all the way from Coyle downwards. Well, that's the thing. I think I think Parkinson is the only one who delivered on his original um, two uh, two job descriptions, which were to get us promoted and to keep us there um, by hook or by crook. I don't necessarily know how much uh, you can put on to him in terms of getting us to do that. But I think we, we've gone from a man who had absolutely no personality whatsoever to two managers who had perhaps who have perhaps too much personality. Certainly, Hill did. I think Ever is no. I, I agree with you, James. I don't think he's anywhere near that level. But um, he does like to say the odd thing in the, in the media once every now and then, which it, which it, it makes it difficult to 
have a proper understanding of his methods if they're not going well, which they weren't for a long, long time. Now that they are, I think you know you can sort of get on board with those kind of things. As you've said, Chris, you don't give a damn about what they say or what they wear as long as they do the job for the football club. And at the moment, things have been turned around and he looks as though that job is being done properly. We're hard to please, aren't we? Flipping it. We're a fickle bunch. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, nothing, nothing exemplifies that more than people saying, oh, when you get this place rocking, i.e. the Reebok, it's one of the best places ever. I'll tell you what, the amount of times I've walked out of that stadium thinking this is the most toxic, hostile atmosphere I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. You just I mean, end up yeah, always it's... sitting next to the worst people, though, Tom. Oh, well, yeah, my dad, for one. <laughs> <laughs> I was having um, this conversation with, with a couple of mates as well about the almost like the sofa versus the stadium because I don't know about you, but I've become very, very comfortable in my routine of on a Saturday, three o'clock, I'll pop a, a can off a drink, of can of beer or something like that and find me a little spot on me, a nice warm sofa, stick a blanket on or something like that and just watch the match, know full well that I'm not surrounded by Bolton fans. I'm not driving. I'm not parking. I'm not walking. I'm not getting cold and wet. I'm not having to listen to... I mean, daft Tom, who sits about four rows behind me, press him, press him, like that, constantly, non-stop. I'm, I'm going to miss this when the, the stadium's reopen and we all go back to the ground. Well, but before we talk about the upcoming games against Oldham and Bradford, I think that's probably a question that's worth asking. We've now been given a date by this shambles of a government as to when fans can be expected back, and obviously that would be in time for a theoretical playoff final. Um, but let's be honest, it does look very, very likely that we're going to have fans back in relatively normally at the start of next season. Do you think that's going to help this team, regardless of what division they're in? Or, or actually, follow-up question, would it, do you think that you'll actually want to go back? Or whether or not the EFL will make this iFollow system available to you and people will just revert to that? I'll definitely go back. I'll just miss the, the lack of effort I have to put into being a Bolton fan at the minute because it's all centred around my house. Um, going, going forward, I think I think the team would undoubtedly benefit from positive support especially if you know given the run that run at the minute and you're dead right in what you said before the Reebok can be horrible it really can be horrible um and that's before you even start talking about what's happening on the pitch but at the same time it's also been a place where we've had some incredibly positive moments too where the, the supporters have, have rallied together and had some fantastic times and some really really brilliant memories of some cracking atmospheres yeah there might be in a, in a dim and distant past but that's not to say that we're just desperate to, for things to fail because we're truly not. We're there waiting to be to fall in love with the club again in, in the way that people seem to have done it. And James's speech earlier on nearly brought a tear to my eye. And he's absolutely <laughs> spot on because the, the, as a fan base, we've been completely shafted over the last decade, one way or the other. And for things to start, yeah, we've had to start again at the bottom, but to to feel like you know, you're starting to get your club back almost is a fantastic feeling. And I think that being in the ground will just be the absolute icing on the cake. And I really hope that happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, I mean the Reebok is feast or famine, isn't it, really? It's, it's either fantastic or sure. it's awful. It's I've never I've never been there and thought it's just a, a nothing atmosphere. There's always one way or the other. Um, James, you've, you've managed to make Chris emotional, so I congratulate you on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the final, final comment that I would give to you on this is, similarly, do you think that it's going to have an impact on how many fans return to Stadia if, for example, EFL do offer the iFollow service, but also... Do you think that it's difficult to difficult to try and phrase this one? Obviously, Mansfield game, last minute winner from Ganua, that would have been an absolute carnage, and you and I would probably both have been there falling over, or, uh, falling mate, over one mate, another, celebrating mate, saw, that goal. Mate, we all saw you celebrating Delaney's last minute win against Chelsea. We know how, <laughs> how you would have been during Ganua's goal. Oh, I tell you what, I don't, I dine out on that one whenever I talk to my mates about football. It's a brilliant video. <laughs> um. But no, yes. Do, do you think that the home atmosphere might be killed if if the EFL decide that they want to try and take tenants off people week in week out for for watch it for what sofa matches? Oh God, no, God no. <laughs> if it, any any of the usual way traveling support are always gonna gonna travel because they like the day out, they like having the cans on the train, they like hanging out with the mates, singing all the songs and singing during letting off flares in pubs. Yeah, letting off flares in pubs, uh, letting off flares in the concourse, letting off flares outside the ground, letting off flares in the Let, stands, oh, yeah. letting off flares the police fans, <laughs> fighting the police. Um, but but you know that's God, I that's... love this country. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Imagine what it's going to be like during the Euros. But anyway, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got you excited, haven't I? <laughs> well, no, I think we, we we said this, didn't we? I, I know we're getting massively off topic, but as we do with these podcasts, it's getting about an hour in, and we you know we, we, we go off piste. But yeah. we said, didn't we? It's going to be be absolute carnage if they decide to host it over here. I mean, I this is a country that has been starved. I, I I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, you'll know more than me. But this country has been starved of that kind of entertainment since 2018, pretty much. And that summer was chaos. Imagine bringing a load of foreign fans and you know football every single day uh, in what, what we hope would be bright sunshine. It's going to be absolute carnage, and I'm not sure I'm going to come out of it the other side living. <laughs> I'm not but sure we... if they're going to bring foreign fans for it, but either way, but yeah, but well, back, could to, do. back to the <laughs> people find a way. I found a way into Cheltenham, mate. They'll find a way into it's, the country. It's a multicultural country we live in. I'm sure there's plenty of fans already here. Never mind importing them in on mass from from other parts of Europe. But I, I think you're both right. I think it's. It's it's shaping up. If that does happen, to be an absolutely fantastic few weeks. I, I really, real fond memories. I was only, I think I was, I was. Well, in fact, I know I was. I was thirteen when Euro '96 took place in England, and going to see a couple of the games and watching them all on telly. And I was obviously I was only in, in high school at the time, but it was an absolute highlight of the '90s for me, Euro '96. And so, fingers crossed, this will be half as good as that was because I really remember that really, really fondly. And of course, I can drink legally now while I do it. So it's even better. <laughs> But yeah. I mean, if they do, well, if they let fans back in, and we think about, I mean, obviously, I would love us to get promoted automatically, and not have to worry about the playoffs, because as we know, it's the best way to get promoted. But I cannot really do. For example, if we get to the playoff final, we're against Tramway, and we lose that. That's 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 me calling it time on my life. I think I'm not <laughs> sure I can live in a world after that. Um, but imagine it, you know, may, may whenever it is, we go to a playoff final, beat Tranmere, and then we've got the Euros to look forward to straight afterwards. Absolutely superb. We're getting very much ahead of ourselves, very much ahead of ourselves. Go, yeah. go, bringing us back to the present day, Yeah. Um, we've got Oldham away on Tuesday, Bradford away on Saturday. Chris, how do we see those games going? Well, Oldham had a good win, didn't they, this last week? Uh, I think it was it 3-1. I seem to yeah, it was Carlisle, I think they beat, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a good win. But, they're, they're beatable. We've, I've seen Oldham go up and down too uh, too much this season to really be too afraid of what, what we're going to see. And who was the other one, sorry? Bradford away. And Bradford away, yeah. So give me four points from those two games. I'll be a very happy camper. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Although it would be a shame to see us uh, lose that winning run because it, as we've seen when it happened in December, it's quite a difficult slump to get out of. J- James, what are, you, what are you thinking to Oldham and Bradford? Two difficult away games on paper, I would say. Uh... It depends what kind of Oldham you get, because they're probably one of the most inconsistent teams in the league. Um, yeah, their home form has been very poor, in fairness. Yeah. Uh, up until recently, our our away form has been better than our home form, so... Yeah. Uh, pers- personally, I, I, see us, I see us winning that, as long as the manager of the month curse doesn't strike. Thankfully, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't get the award before that game, so... Hopefully he never gets it. Yep. <laughs> Give it to literally anybody else. <laughs> give it Keith Hill. Why not? <laughs> oh, please give it to Keith Hill. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Final question then, James. Yeah, go on. Yeah, final question yeah. then, James. Oh, Score predictions for those two games then. Uh, before I do that, I'm going to quickly get on to Bradford. That's, mo- that's going to be more of the tougher game Sorry. because Bradford are the team in form and they are pushing for playoffs along with us as well. So, they are. Yeah. So what we... Though I, would accept, though I would accept a draw, like Chris said, we really need to get get another win against them and just knock them out of it knock the knock the wind out of the sails yeah and just indeed yeah keep keep pushing just keep pushing up the league in that regard it would be it would be a big knock off to knock off a knock off a team in form and you know just get rid of a play, playoff rival indeed so what are your score predictions for those two games then Jim Oldham uh, I'm going to go for a uh, I'm gonna count on them not. I'm gonna count on Dylan Bamboola not not have not pulling a moment of magic out of nowhere because he's their only real threat for Oldham. So I'm gonna go for a two 0 win at Oldham. Bradford. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's a tougher one. Uh, I can't remember. Is Bradford at home or away? It's away. Oh shit. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. I'll go for two one then. But two one to us. It'd be seven wins in a row. I'd love to know when the last time we did that was. It'd be fascinating to see. Uh, Chris, same question to you. Yeah, I think we'll 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 sneak it on 
midweek, I think a 1-0 or a 2-1, something like that, and then I'll take a one apiece against Bradford. Although, wouldn't it be just particularly sweet if uh, 93rd minute Mr Doyle scored at his old stamping ground and then we, we took the three points as well? Wouldn't rule it out, given the form we're on, but under no illusions, it won't be a tough game. So, I'll take a point. Yeah, this run is going to come to an end at some point. I just hope it's with a draw rather than a um, mm. a positive draw, like the, like a Carlisle kind of draw rather than a loss. Uh, I'm going to say 1-0 midweek and probably go with one all as well at Bradford. I don't know. So I've got a feeling about that one. I'm not as confident as I am with the other ones. Um, I think that's just about everything that we've, we can discuss. It's been a long time since, since we've done one of these boys and it's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak to you again. And I'm sure... We'll not leave it to uh, a whole month before we, we reconvene. So thank you very, very much for giving up your Sunday evening to chat with me about Bolton Wanderers. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode 159 of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. And let's hope next time we record, we're talking about more positive Bolton Wanderers results. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you later.